Well, chestnuts have been roasting long enough, and we've been jingling and jangling and going all the way home to Grandma's house, and White Christmas has been White Christmasing. We've been chasing it all to try to get to that place where we can get it all done, but we're still not there. Everyone is chasing something. And I found myself in that position just the other day. I was chasing something. I got the mail and I opened up an envelope and said, you are invited. And I thought, oh good, I'm invited. And it said, you are invited to a cookie exchange. A cookie exchange. And, and, and I had this feeling of dread start to descend around me and the room got very, very cold and it felt like the darkness was, was like hemming me in by, from all sides because I began to read this invitation. It says, you're invited to this cookie exchange and you have to bring five dozen homemade cookies. Bah humbug, says I. And I didn't know what to do, so I called a meeting with my wife, Gail, and I invited the dogs to come in too. They don't get a vote, but I just wanted to be there for moral support. And, and I said, I said, Gail, we, we're invited to this neighborhood cookie exchange, and we have to bring five dozen homemade cookies, and she doesn't bake, and I don't bake. I, I said, what are you going to do? She says, no, what are you going to do? I knew I was in trouble then. And so I knew I had to get into deep prayer and try to figure this out. And I pondered and I pondered for a time and a time's time. And finally, I realized, aha, it all depends on what the word homemade means. It doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean my home. It doesn't mean necessarily that I even have to, to bake the cookies, but they have to be homemade. And so I thought and I thought and I thought, I thought I will go to a place that makes cookies. And so there I was. I found myself over hill and dale. I found myself in the place that makes cookies. And I said, give me six of those. Give me six of those. Give me six. And I got up to five dozen of these amazing cookies. Don't they look so good? My cookies, my homemade cookies that, that weren't made in my home, but they were made in a home somewhere. And so we brought the, the cookies, went, Gail took the cookies faithfully to the cookie exchange and my cookies won first prize. <laughs> Everyone is chasing something. So what are you chasing these days? But what if all chasing is only a prelude to a great following? Maybe that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Maybe all of our chasings are answered in following the one who chased after us and found us in Bethlehem. What are you chasing? If you're like most Americans, you're maybe chasing a job that, that will give deep meaning to your life, or maybe you're chasing a relationship that will maybe touch your heart every single day of the year, or maybe you have a, a mission that you're chasing after, a mission that will create passion in your soul. But chasing always has to become following sooner or later. And there was one who chased after us and found us in Bethlehem so that we would follow him. There are six questions Christmas Eve always poses. Why am I here? Where am I going? What should I do? Why did he come? What did he do? What does it mean? What does it all mean? 
These are the six questions Christmas Eve always poses. Six questions that make this more than just a time to feel warm and fuzzy because I think if it only becomes a time for us to feel warm and fuzzy, I think we're going to miss it. It's more than that. It's possibly the time, the time to think about what chasing and following mean. 2,000 years ago, it was a world of power and domination. It was a world of intellectual cultivation. The wealth of the nobility could make your head spin. Architectural achievements were stunning, and yet the social virtues upon which the strength of a community and a nation rests were slipping away. There was a growing inclination to avoid the rigorous responsibilities of marriage. Immorality was picking up market share decade by decade. Philosophers made little progress in finding the truth. It seems that all they did was come up with more questions. Intellectual sophistication didn't help to forge moral character. Religious arguments were thick in the air. The prevailing feeling of the empire was one of, one of confusion as to the real road leading to life, freedom, and hope. The world was hanging by a slender thread of political anxiety. And then it happened. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census. There was a man named Joseph, and he went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David. David, his great ancestor, in order to register with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, as it is with babies, when they decide to come, they are coming, and sometimes they can come real fast. As they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, just cloths, that's all that she had, and laid him in a manger, a common feed trough for animals because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I love it in the King James where it says, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths simple cloths and lying in a feed trough for animals. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary, Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. What does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my baby? The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. 
Why am I here? Where am I going? What should I do? Why did he come? What did he do? What does it mean? He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. It's time to think about whether you're chasing or following. And they knew he was coming. They knew he was coming. If we look at the Apostle Peter's letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, which was written about 65 AD, he calls attention to the fact that they knew he was coming. The prophets who told us this was coming asked a lot of questions about this gift of life God was preparing. The Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it, that the Messiah would experience suffering followed by glory. They clamored to know who and when, who and when. All they were told was that they were serving you, you, who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves through the Holy Spirit the message of those prophecies fulfilled. The message of the prophecies fulfilled. Do you realize how fortunate you are? You know this was written long ago. Do you realize how fortunate you are that it has come true in your lifetime? Angels would have given anything to be in on this and the prophecies were there, Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. They knew right where he was supposed to arrive. The place was pinpointed, Bethlehem. Isaiah put it this way, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. We get our English word imminent from this. Right here, right now. God, right here, right now. God with us, right here, right now. Isaiah told us about this. He also wrote, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They knew where he was coming. They knew what his life was to be all about, and yet they didn't fully understand it all. You see, he was so much more than a baby born in time. He was a Savior born for all time. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, put it this way. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, follow him. So walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. You want to see God? Then see him. And you're seeing God. And in him you have been made complete. Chasing must always become following but let's go back to that phrase. It's always interested me. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. 
It's easy to decide what you think is right about life. It's easy to have an opinion. It's easy to have a perspective about how you think life arose here on the planet and what the universe is all about. But just because you think about something or have an opinion about something doesn't make it necessarily true. I love to watch Christmas specials as we move toward this time of the year. It kind of gets me in the mood. And so when I saw that Pentatonix was having a, a Christmas special, I thought this is going to be great. I love Pentatonix. I love their voices. Their voices are, are musical instruments in and of themselves. And so I'll watch this special. I'll, I'll get into the Christmas spirit and it came down to the very last song that they were going to sing. And it surprised me. They sang Lennon's Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. And they talked about imagine no religion. They, they were singing it. So they're singing that song. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to think, now where is this really going? And then they sang the song. And then they all said, Merry Christmas. And then they started to play Silent Night. And I thought, oh, this all makes sense. Or does it? Imagine. And then I began to look at the lyrics of the Imagine song. And what I saw stopped me in my tracks. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Imagine no possessions. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. Well, I have to disagree with, with John about no heaven and, and no religion. I have to agree with him for everything else that he imagined was what Jesus came to give. Jesus came to give peace. Jesus came to, to, to level the playing field. Jesus came to say, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick and in prison. Be who I am in your time. Be my hands and my feet in the time that you are living upon the earth. Make the earth one, for I have come that we all would be one and all come to know God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this all comes together where Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 in the message version, one of my favorite passages. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. That's the life we all have every day, a sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. In other words, there comes a time in your life to stop chasing what can never fill you up and start following what can only fill you up. Place your life before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Unlike the culture around you, God brings the best out of you, develops maturity in you, love from the center of who you are are. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. Your ordinary life is what God has been after since the beginning. He chased you all the way to Bethlehem so that you in turn could follow him. Why am I here? Where am I going? What should I do? Why did he come? What did he do? What does it mean? And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them 
till it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These magi, these three, sometimes called kings, came. And when they chased a star and found the one who had ultimately chased them, they could only respond by worshiping him, following him, giving him everything that they could give. I was in Hamburg, Germany just a few weeks ago. And I stood where I thought I would never stand. I stood in the middle of a church that was bombed out during World War II. And all that's left is a steeple and the, the bell tower underneath the steeple. Then there's a big open courtyard where formerly there was an amazing cathedral. They left it that way as a testimony to, to how we should not do this to each other. Let's not do this again ever. There's this big courtyard. And in the middle of the courtyard, there's an angel with a hand reaching up to heaven. And at the base of that angel statue, there's a plaque and it says, take my hand and let me lead you back to yourself. But about 20 yards from this angel, there's another figure, there's another statue. And the statue is of a man who is sitting there in great despair. His head is in his hands. And underneath him, there's a plaque. And the plaque is a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a pastor in Germany during World War II. And these are his words. No man in the whole world can change the truth. One can only look for the truth, find it, and serve it. The truth is in all places. One can only look for the truth, find it, and serve it. In other words, follow the truth. What did Jesus say when he was here? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Find the truth and serve it. The truth is Emmanuel, God with us. Our chasing of life must become following him through life. You see, history is a chronicle of chasings, chasing hope, people chasing freedom, people chasing peace. But what if all of life's chasings were wrapped up in one epic journey, a holy chase toward one divine moment of hope, freedom, and peace? Yes, long ago, kings chased a star. They found Emmanuel, God with us. And they learned that chasing must become following if one is to truly find his or her way home. I always do something at this time of year. I make a phone call. Same phone call week before Christmas. Same phone call. I need my Christmas haircut. And uh, the person on the other line says, okay, can you be here between 12 and 12.30? I say, great. So I get there about 12.15, right in the middle. And I go, thanks for giving me my Christmas haircut. I sit down and he goes, well, what do you want? And I say, make me look clean. Make me look neat. Make me look powerful. Make me look handsome. He says, everybody wants a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle. 
And you think about this baby born in Bethlehem, and you think about that as the miracle. But it wasn't the miracle. The miracle is answering the questions Christmas Eve poses. Why am I here? I am here to follow him home, all the way home. Where am I going? Wherever he needs me. I'm just here to serve. What should I do? Serve him with all he has given me. Everything I have belongs to him. He, he put it on loan to me so I could use it for his honor and his glory. Why did he come? To show us God, how God thinks and how God acts. What did he do? He gave his life on a cross 2,000 years ago. He gave his life for us. He didn't stay a baby in a barn. He became a man who told us about God and then he gave his life so that we could have eternal life in him and through him by accepting him into our lives. What does it mean? It means simply what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. We could never do this. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, or we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He was the light of the world so that we can be a light in the world. He changed the world so that we can change the world today with him. He did not wait he chased us all the way to Bethlehem. He wasn't just a baby born in time. He was a savior born for all time. Writer and speaker Bob Goff put it this way. From a manger in Bethlehem, God leaned over the whole world and said, it's your move. Christmas Eve always poses six questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? What should I do? Why did he come? What did he do? What does it mean? And the miracle of Christmas is when you answer those questions because you understand who he was and who he is and who he will always be. And so my hope is that this Christmas you'll answer the questions of Christmas Eve. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for a moment like this, when we can humbly hear this story again. To be wrapped in it, to be carried away by it. It tells us who we are, tells us why we're here, tells us what we're supposed to do. Oh, Heavenly Father, allow a moment when a baby was born in time to become for us the realization of our Savior who was born for us for all time give you this moment now in the name of the baby the baby of Bethlehem in Jesus name Amen